What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This episode is exclusively brought to you by an incredible record label called Enjoy the Ride Records. Visit them at enjoytheriderecords.com and get some vinyl. Now on with the show. Happy New Year! Welcome to the first episode of 2015 with 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Thank you so much for joining us. Here we are. Everyone is excited. Everyone's in the gym. Everyone's like, dude, we're doing this, man. Knock out these resolutions in the first week. And oh, man. And then you just get tired. And then you're like, oh, I got these other things I got to take care of. And me personally, I never make any New Year's resolutions. I have things that I'd like to do, maybe. It's weird because I'm not much of this like goal-oriented, I want to sort of crush this thing person. I usually am like the guy who's like, oh man, that sounds awesome. I want to do that. And then impulsively, I do it. And then you end up with the podcast three years later. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. But thank you for joining us on this uh, this momentous occasion. Episode 139. 139. That's so many. Every time I look at those numbers in my notes for this podcast, it just continually blows my mind. The guest on the show this week, one of the best dudes ever. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. Rocky Vadalato. He used to sing for a band called Waxwing. He currently has been doing his own solo thing for a better part of 10 plus years. Uh, I've run across this guy on many occasions in my life and uh, I, even one time staying at my house and I think maybe this is just me thinking I was cool. I was out on a date or something like that. But then I remember coming back late at night to my house and walking in on him in my bedroom playing guitar and just kind of like, you know, rehearsing for the next show. And I was like, oh, hey, Rocky. He's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think you were coming home tonight. 
I said, oh no, it's okay. You can continue to practice here. I'll just, you know, be out in the living room. Anyways, that was just a funny interaction. But I sit down with Rocky Vadalato in a hotel room in Seattle when I was traveling up there a few months ago. And man, this was a great discussion. So more on him in a few moments. You heard me talk about it at the top of the show. So there's a record label called Enjoy the Ride Records, a gentleman named Ross. He is a fan of the show, and we've been corresponding for a while, and he decided to uh, sponsor these past couple shows, and I can't thank him enough for that. He runs an incredible record label. He currently has a soundtrack up called Bridge and Tunnel. It's uh, an independent movie that's coming out, I think, sometime around March, April of 2015. But uh, yeah, they have some amazing musicians, all from the Long Island music scene. Bayside, Vinnie Karuna from I Am The Avalanche. Uh, there's John Nolan from Taking Back Sunday. There's so much cool stuff. It's a great compilation of, of kind of what's happening in Long Island right now. Yeah, you need to go see, not only see the movie, but more importantly, by the vinyl. He released a soundtrack. It comes on beautiful, beautiful variants. And uh, I've heard they're going quickly. So dive into that. And he also currently has Cute is What We Aim For, a very nostalgic pop rock act from the early aughts. And he has their first release up right now. So uh, and I, I think he's almost sold out of that as well. And uh, I would mention another release of his, Kevin Devine, live at Looney Tunes. But uh, you can't get that anymore. That's sold out like immediately. He also currently has up the self-titled Corn record. Holy shit. Yeah, that's heavy. I remember that record. Who doesn't remember that record? Real Big Fish, Turn the Radio Off. What a classic. He has that up as well. And then if you're a fan of prog metal or just progressive music, Dream Theater. He has two of their records up there. Basically, he runs a really diverse record label that focuses on high-quality reissues. Trust me, if you like vinyl, you will love the stuff that he puts out. I've bought a few things from him in the past, and I've enjoyed everything that I've gotten from him. Thank you very much to Enjoy the Ride Records. Visit them at enjoytheriderecords.com, and you can find all of their social media on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all that sort of stuff on their website. And uh, that, that way you can interact with them. And, you know, if you order something, leave in the notes like, hey, 100 Words Podcast, clued me in on this. Because, you know, I'm sure he'll like to see that as well. So enjoy com and become educated and buy some cool vinyl. You know, that's what I do. So uh, I encourage you to do that as well. I have to give a special shout out to a contributor to the show, Monsters Outside. So this is a amazing print shop slash, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, basically he does really cool print stuff. Uh, you know, he does Friday Night Lights sort of hardcore themed t-shirts, does X-Files hardcore themed t-shirts. And just does a lot of other awesome stuff. Has become a friend of mine, and he also runs a really, really cool business. So visit him. You can find it on Etsy or just Google Monsters Outside. You'll be able to find it pretty easily, and uh, you'll be blown away at how much cool stuff he has. Thank you for contributing to the show on a donation basis. I appreciate it. So here we are. Let's get centered. Rocky Vadalato. I was up in Seattle. I was meeting up with him for dinner, and then I was like, do you want to do a podcast after this? I know you've done a few recently, so I don't want to like burn you out on that. And he said, no, man, I'd love to. And I'm not exaggerating. He's so soft-spoken and so just like, yeah, man, that's so cool. His life story is, par- pardon the cursing, but fucking insane. Um, <laughs> he just has so much crazy stuff that's happened with him uh, in his life, just as far as his upbringing is concerned. And the fact that he was able to right the ship, so to speak, and be able to find his identity in independent music is incredible. So I will let him do the talking, and here's my late-night conversation with Rocky Vadalato, and I will talk to you afterwards. 
but I, I have such distinct memories. Like I, I love seeing your waxwing tattoo because of the waxwing art tattoo. Oh, nice. <laughs> because it brings back such fond memories I have of like when I first started to make the transition of screaming music to realizing that singing is also an important part of music. <laughs> Where it was like, because, you know, whatever, you're like 14, 15 years old and it's like, oh, dude, Strife, Earth Crisis, Snapcase. Like, that's all you need, right? That's all you need. (laughs) And then realizing where it's just like, oh, I guess I can like Texas is the reason and like whatever. So it's like when seeing Waxwing, when you guys started to come down to Southern California and playing Coos, playing PCH Club, like, I mean, I I think I saw you because you guys came down a lot. Yeah, we did. I mean, because you would always do West Coast tours, and it was like I—I I mean, I probably saw you like at least four or five times off of, you know, I mean, the first self-titled record, and uh, you know, Mad Men only. Like I—I I saw you so much that it was like it felt like you lived in Southern California. Yeah, we loved it down there, <laughs> and yeah, and you always like did well. Was it one of those things that was like the? Because I mean, I distinctly remember when you obviously put out your first solo record on Status, and it was that's like right. Thousand Oaks, man. That's where it all started. I know. <laughs> It's true. Um, Once you started to to tour and start to experience that lifestyle, was that just immediately engaging to you that you just kind of had to keep doing it? Or was it um, was it was it tough in some capacities or was that not even part of your I mean, it was always just a dream, you know, like I'm just like a young, dumb kid who's just out there trying to figure out. And this is before cell phones and before, I mean, this is back in the day when yep. you had actually had to use a map totally. you know, to like navigate, yeah, yeah, to figure out where you're going and more dangerous back mm-hmm. then, you know, and more kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we just kind of, we just figured it out as we went, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I just was excited to, to be getting out and like starting a music career you know right i didn't even know that's what i was doing right. i mean i just was like yeah i'm sure you would didn't use those words back then <laughs> no definitely not right 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 <laughs> but um but yeah i i always really remembered southern california mm-hmm. you know that being like a highlight it still is to me it totally is yeah so many bands look forward to they know because yeah no one is like dude sick show in tulsa oklahoma like i mean the midwest gets like you know, it honestly gets a short and the sick most of the time because there's so many quote unquote markets that are just rough to bring kids out to. But it's like people will always be like, oh, yeah, I know like Chain Reaction or I know like whatever these places in Southern California. I know that show will be good. I that's yeah. look forward to in a week and a half. Totally. <laughs> I got to go through these other <laughs> rough shows or whatever. Yeah, that's the way it goes. <laughs> um, but you you yourself, you were you were born and raised in Texas, right? That's right. What, where specifically? Uh, it was a small town. It's probably about, I'd say, somewhere close to 100 miles south of Dallas. Okay. And uh, it's called Frost. Frost. Frost, Frost Texas. Texas. Yeah, population 900 when I when I was there. And I actually just stopped through it again on my last tour for the first time. I went back there. Okay. And, Do you have uh, any family there still or that? Like- my dad's still there. Okay. But I didn't tell him I went through. Sure. You just wanted you just wanted the, the I don't think he's gonna hear this. No, he's not yet. <laughs> yeah. spoiler alert. Right. Right, right, right. Um Yeah, so so I did. I went and I, I just kind of stopped through. I was on I just finished a show in Dallas okay. and I was heading down to Austin for two okay. nights in Austin on this last tour. Uh-huh. And I um it's pretty meaningful to me actually because I I just pulled in and I saw the sign, mm-hmm. you know, and I took a picture of the sign. It's population six thirty four now. 
dude so it's, dro- it's, drop it's in. shrinking yeah <laughs> which you're just like i mean 900 people like that's not many people to, i know to keep there to begin with right but it's like the cotton business isn't doing that well i guess yeah down there. that that's what the industry was in that general area there's like one cotton gin there and that's pretty much it i haven't heard the word cotton gin since like ninth grade like <laughs> history class yeah yeah. There's one cotton gin in Frost, Texas. That's it. Yeah. And it's kind of, I had the same kids, the same like 25 kids in my class for from third grade to when I moved out of there. Right. It was the same kids. That's all that was in the class. You know? Right. Yeah. You, you're like, well, no new friends this year. Yeah. Like, that's, that's third grade. Right. You this know? is locked in. <laughs> the one new kid that moves in from out of town, you know, it's like such a huge deal. Totally. Um, because every every girl has a crush on him because he's the new guy. It's, totally. it's like, oh, the, oh, who's this new person to look at? Like, <laughs> and every guy's like sizing him up, like, oh, what's what's this person got going on? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of that was a strange, strange kind of unconventional life. Yeah. So why uh, your your family structure was your your mom and dad and Cody is older than you or younger than he's you? younger than me. Okay, that's right. Yeah. You you were the, uh, the 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 first child on the scene. No, I got an older brother, Sonny. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he plays music too. He oh, was, that's right. That's yeah, right. He was yeah, in yeah. a great band up in Seattle called Slender Means. Uh huh. Um, they put out a few albums. They didn't really tour. Okay. Didn't really get how much older is he it. than you? Um, he is three years older than me. Okay. And and then Cody's five years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, your parents spread that out. Of- yeah. Yeah, and and I have a sister too. Right. She's actually it's, it's crazy. She's on tour with Interpol right now. Oh, really? Yeah, she does like merch sales. Merch for Wow. That's yeah. yeah, crazy. We all ended up in the music business. That's a nightmare for most parents. Yeah. <laughs> like we can we save one of these kids from like an unconventional lifestyle? <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh! Painful lifestyle. <laughs> so what? What brought your parents to Frost, Texas? Like, so my um, my grandmother had a plot of land. Okay, out there, right? And um, it was my my dad's mom. Okay, and you know she just had a trailer house out there, and mm-hmm. and uh, like fifteen horses. Yeah, and so it was simple, like a horse sim- ranch. Simple life. Yeah, I lived, uh, grew up on the horse ranch, and right. had a trailer house uh-huh. out on that on the land that we moved out there. I was born in Dallas, okay. and then you know I moved out there when I was like in third grade. Okay, so that was you know that's basically where I your formative my memories sure. really are you know from around then and and uh, um. A little bit of stuff is, you know, vague from Irving, but but really my childhood was uh-huh. defined in Frost. Right, right, right. That's where things started. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's such a, like, <laughs> I actually, I, I, in looking back at you, your musical career and kind of having, like, the, especially your solo stuff, where it's like, the, the words salt of the earth, like, definitely come to my mind in regards to just, like, because I, I view the way that you kind of craft music, like, I mean, it is a craft. Yeah. It is like, it is, you know, uh, in the same way that a person, you know, either operates a machine or like, you know, is able to like make, you know, a basket or whatever. It's like. Totally. It's handmade. Right. And it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think everybody has that, that sort of, um, I don't know, that perspective on, on song creation. Um, but I've always felt that like there's that connection with obviously your, your small town upbringing and yeah. kind of like the trade aspect of it. Yeah, I feel I feel that's true, and also just kind of the influence of what was going on out there mm. for me. You know, my dad was in a biker gang. Okay, you know, he was like, it was pretty, just kind of a strange upbringing in that way. Right, you know that he was like he was in the Dallas Scorpions. 
Oh, you Jesus. Know? And I mean, it was real. Like, yeah, yeah. Sons of Anarchy type shit, right. you know? But <laughs> right, like, right. Like, not glorious that, at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, not not, the, not the, the, the quote unquote cool parts that you see in a television show. Yeah. It like is the scary, of course, dangerous part that right. you eventually escape, you know? Yeah, be, <laughs> like, be, yeah because of the <laughs> danger that is involved. Yeah, yeah. Like running drugs and beating mm. people up and a very violent lifestyle. Right. And so it was a lot of fear and a lot of trauma and a lot of like, you know, and, and we did eventually get out of that. My, mm-hmm. my, um, when I was 13, uh, or maybe I was, I was a little younger than that. Cause I think that's, that's actually when I moved up to Seattle, but, right. um, so it must've been like 11 or 12 when a tornado hit up, hit my house and, uh, destroyed it right about that time. I, my, my parents were getting divorced, Okay, you know, and we, she moved to Houston okay. with her sister. We found out my dad had a whole other family. So he, he told us at that point that, you know, there was another, another wife and three other kids, three in Dallas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, um, the tornado had just hit the house and we were at my baseball practice when that happened. And, and so it kind of, it freed my mom because basically we were like, prisoners yeah you were landlocked right well my dad you know he's a very violent person a lot of a lot of women in the gang world are like you know basically they're held hostage of course you know if they try to leave um, i'll tell you what's better for you well yeah or there's just death they're threatened with their lives of course so that was kind of the situation and so we escaped that luckily Mm -hmm. um i think the, the tornado was a big part of it because the house was destroyed and my mom had recently found out about that and so it was like kind of a new like the ability to really break free yeah she's like i'm out of here yeah we went and lived with uh her sister in houston for a while Mm -hmm. and it was you know it was was a tough time of course but like i i well i imagine probably in contrast to what you're experiencing was probably in some respects less threatening yeah i mean it was like yeah it was this an escape sure in some ways, and especially when my mom remarried and we moved, like a, my ninth grade year in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, that was like just a really crazy transition. And then, and then we moved up to to Seattle. So my right. mom remarried, uh-huh. um, who she still married with my stepdad. Who, okay, he was a uh, aerospace engineer at Boeing. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's how we ended up in, up Seattle. in Seattle, right? Right. And it was perfect timing for me, you know, because uh, for the music, because you know. If I would have stayed in Texas, I mean, I'd probably, I probably wouldn't even have, you know, a life in music. If no. I did, I would be playing in some podunk bar. Oh, of I'd, course. I'd still be talking like this, right. you know, because I, I used to have a pretty thick accent. Um, <laughs> was it, was, was it, was it, was it that, that pronounced? It, like, was, it was pretty bad, man. Yeah. I, was, I wanted to be an oceanographer when I grew up. That's you know, amazing. it was, it was really like that. Wow. Like, like yeah, I, yeah. I talked that way when I moved to Seattle and most people don't know that, but like, sure. Because I got made fun of so bad oh, in yeah. high school sure. that it, I, it got beaten out of me. Of course. You, know, you I, had, yeah. You're like, I got to do this for self-protection. Yeah. I just, I lost that accent quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I got to make this transition uh, very fast. Yeah. And so I did, I mean, it just kind of fell away, Yeah, you know, as, but that was such a, it was such a hard, you know, like transition. And that's right when I was learning to play music. Okay. And that's, you know, that's when music kind of really saved me. Right. You know, in that way, it was like there for me to sort all this shit out and to discover. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to just have a place to put all this madness and craziness that my life was at the, at that time. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You and it, it's funny because it's like I mean I, I knew bits and pieces of that obviously from from either previous interviews or obviously the podcast you did with Matt. Um, and the thing that like in my mind when I'm when I always listen to your story, you're a positive person. Like I I define you as such. Like I've always known. I mean maybe that's just like obviously the way that you uh you know you you present yourself. But it's like people have shitty upbringings and can go very negative and very uh in very bad places and like obviously yeah. like you said you were able to turn a corner and hopefully and find a subculture and do music and all that totally new, that kept you positive you know did you find yourself like you know when you were in the middle of all that was it you know were you like engulfed with 
negativity or were you kind of just like trying to look past it? Negativity has always been a problem for me. Okay. I've, I've always struggled. Okay. I've always had, I've always struggled. I'm more open about things now. Uh-huh. I feel like in general, just cause, I, but I've, I've definitely had, and you can hear it in the music, I think, but like, I think people know me from the music sure. you know, and can kind of hear, hear what I'm going through, mm-hmm. you know, cause I've always wanted my writing to reflect what's happening with me in my life. And it's been very much like a, a place where I can put things and how, how I've dealt with my own struggles okay. and, and mental problems. Sure. Um, but I, I do feel like, yeah, I've had negativity uh, and still do. Sure. You know? I mean, it's, it's kind yeah, of one never, of those. Yeah, you're never free of it. Right. It's, it's kind of one of those patterns that's like, for me, uh, I feel like I've been through a lot of trauma mm-hmm. in my life and it's been, I'm still sorting through all the boxes of, of just what needs to be worked out. Sure. But I think, I've come to the conclusion for sure that, you know, having a positive attitude and trying to, trying to at least be kind to the people around me and sort things out is a priority. You know, that's, right. that's what I want for my life. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm working hard to sort through all this, this garbage from You're the right. past, you the know, baggage like, that has been. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely there and it's real and I'm still dealing with a lot of it. Right. You know, right. Like, right. I, I think that there's just, there's a lot of abuse. You know, there was a lot of things that, Ver- both verbal and physical towards you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. tons of it. Right, like more than I ever knew, and I'm, yeah. s- I'm still kind of. I think it's it's kind of like um, that's why music is so great because mm-hmm. it can really be a tool for people who go through super hard experiences. Yeah, to uh, to have an outlet, of course, you know, somewhere to put all that madness and craziness and just what you deal with. Right. I mean, I think of like soldiers, you know, who come back from. Totally. Wars and you know they've got PTSD and right and and I feel like a lot of there's a lot of soldiers out there who relate to my music and mm-hmm. have talked to me about you know my albums helping them on the battlefield like just being able to get through wow and like, you know that's meaningful to me yeah 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 I mean that's that that's heavy to have that put on you to be like wow I didn't expect that to translate in you know in warfare yeah, like it's, yeah it surprised me when that first started happening sure but but now I just really it makes sense okay yeah you know, yeah it makes sense because I think that there's a because it's probably a, coming it's coming from the same place in yeah, certain respects there's a thread of PTSD or whatever it is that in, right. in that and and you know the waxwing stuff so that was where yep. I started dealing with Totally. All of that. It was like right from the very beginning when I found the punk scene in Seattle. And, right. And then, but there's also this element that you mentioned, like the salt of the earth kind of, you know, organic, right, uh, crafted songs mm-hmm. that I think comes out of that where I grew up. My dad, my dad, I, I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful because he had really good taste in music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're like, he played he, like some really awesome music around Sure, here. sure. So. Yeah. You're like, he, he was, he was formative from like the, uh, the cultural perspective when you could be, you could, you know, I mean, you'd be living in a cultural vacuum, like musically. It's like, you know, if you're not exposed to that and like you, your dad didn't have like this complete renegade lifestyle. Yeah. You might not have been exposed to like the cool stuff. He, he was an outlaw in every yeah. sense of the word. He right. never went anywhere without a pistol you know like yeah he, he was he's he's a dangerous scary man and like and and he uh he lo- he listened to outlaw country you right know? and like that's what i grew up with was like johnny cash and sure Waylon jennings, Waylon jennings. And yeah exactly chris christopherson totally you know cat stevens which is surprising to me I now i mean he fits in with all those <laughs> he but he totally it, does he's yeah, a yeah. folk singer and, of course and a lot of folk music and i realized that's now to me that's important like that i'm yeah. a, i'm a folk singer totally. i think if if you wanted to figure out like where my heart is mm-hmm. you know that's that's really what i do now right 
and and a lot of that has just you know those other layers have fallen away of course and and that's at the heart of the songs there's there's a folk song right and like you know it can be produced in different ways or whatever mm-hmm. but that's the foundation underneath yeah totally that's the that's the dna that's that's kind of you know engrossed in because of what you've ex- experienced and what you've been exposed to yeah um so then like obviously when you when you moved to Seattle and you you start to experience like you said you that you delved into you know the punk scene was it was it primarily because of of just like kids that were in your school or was it your older brother that started to help you usher that Yeah my older brother started the whole music thing yeah. like my uncle gave him a guitar okay and then Cody and I looked up to him we want to be cool yeah. like him you of know Of course <laughs> right right um we both you know started learning how to play and uh-huh. I and I got my first guitar right around the time we moved up to Seattle Okay and that was, of course, I had this thick Texas accent. I had no friends. You know, I was yeah. like, I got nothing but time, was, man. It, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> no one's hanging out with me. I'll go play I'm, my guitar. Play in the my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was all I did on the weekends. I mean, I was dead serious about it. Like I just, yeah. I got very focused. Uh-huh. It was really good for me to get out of, out of Texas. I was, you know, I was drinking myself half to death every at, at 13 so you yeah like i started drinking really early yeah um my dad gave me alcohol from, I, that, I mean that doesn't surprise me yeah be, from a young age and he was trying to get me to drop out of high school and, or drop out of school and join the gang you know i mean that was basically was the that was his plan for you he, he wanted me to stay there with his other family right and join the gang oh with and did he want your other siblings to follow suit as well yeah, he, he tr- wanted everybody he to try to get everyone too i i was in a strange position because when he moved he moved the family in to the house that we I'd grown up in. Uh-huh. And, you know, this uh, was before the tornado hit. This is after. Okay. He moved, so he rebuilt it. Okay. I stayed that summer with that family and helped rebuild the house. That that is so much shit to put on you. Yeah, I realized later. Yeah. Like, uh, the, You're like, this is not conventional. <laughs> You're like, I don't I don't know anybody else's experience. I'm rebuilding a house that got hit by a tornado with a f- family that I by all stretch of the imagination is kind of fake to me like Didn't, yeah because that's not you know yeah you weren't like I was very confused of course they're my half confused. brothers and sisters but and I was drinking a lot okay and I could have as much as I wanted of whatever yeah you know, tequila no limitations. white Russians beer you know I just I just would drink myself nearly to death like to forget about everything yeah yeah just to try to get out of it right you know and like I was just a confused teen yeah you know just stupid and well and and i had a drinking problem from a young age so i so i basically you know i was really struggling Mm -hmm. in that and like my mom did a great job of getting us out of there right and i I did make the decision to go with my mom after that summer you know and i went to houston and i started ninth grade there and Mm -hmm. you know and then i um luckily we moved up to seattle in 10th grade and right and that's that's when things started to chill out and i started you know just have a bit of a normal life. Yeah. You yeah. know, my, um, my stepdad's a great man. Sure. Like he, he started to be the rock that you had been searching for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To have an example, you know, to be able to just have a stable life. And, totally. And so, um, that's when music became really the main focus right. for me. Sure. You know, I just play guitar all the time, started writing songs from about 13 on uh-huh. and never looked back. You know, I just never and stopped. And what, what were the kind of those inflection points with the, the early, when you were 13 and 14, kind of like the independent music started to filter in? Like, so what was your, what did you immediately start to latch on to? Um, I went to a few shows. Okay. Uh, it was like Fugazi. Okay. 
Jawbreaker, okay. band from the Bay Area. Yeah, of course. Like that was huge for me. Okay. Um, I saw them on the 24-hour revenge therapy tour. Oh, that's amazing. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like, like, that's a show. That was it, dude. Yeah, yeah. All I had to see, I mean, I saw Blake Schwarzenbach jump around on stage and I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do with my life. Sure. You this know, is it. It hit me. Yeah. Was like, and then, of course, some other shows. I was at Sanity Real Estate's first few shows. It's amazing. Like saw them, you know, play in a room to like 15 people. Of course. You know, several times. Right, right. And it was so incredible. I mean, sure. they were just a powerhouse of energy and like... Uh-huh. Obviously, Seattle's such a, a cultural touchstone when it comes to music, especially yeah. in the early to mid-90s where so much was happening. But it's like, it's cool that you were still able to find kind of your own thing there because it would be, I would imagine it would be easy to kind of fall in line with everything that was happening from like a larger mainstream music perspective and like not feel like it's your own because you know at that point it's like obviously nirvana was larger than life and like, oh yeah well they, i mean we're incredible but you know you wouldn't be able to really like kind of feel like it was your own in some capacity totally yeah it, there, i was lucky because there was such a vibrant all ages scene at the time yeah and i was just a kid who needed right. that you know it was, sure. it was really good for me so what kind of person, as you started to transition into like the Seattle life and it was more stable, what kind of person did you find yourself being like in high school? Were you, you know, were you trying to figure out your place or did you get into like, you know, were you into like the drama club? Were you like an indoor kid? Were you a sports guy? Like what, what I, sort of? I played sports in, okay. in Frost, like basically year round. Okay. There's, there's just a few there's, kids there, sure. you know, no. so you're on every team. <laughs> You're like, oh, weird. Rocky is an all-star again. Totally. And I actually thought I was good at the sports because there was no competition. And that's the thing. Like when we moved to Houston, yeah. it was it was like a nightmare. Right. You're like, like damn it, I'm not that good. I'm not actually that good at football. Wait a minute. I'm pretty small. You know? Like, right, right. Yeah. So much was just falling down around right. you. Yeah. yeah. These illusions of being a pro totally. NFL player. You're like, oh, that's that not happening. That was a pretty good basketball player. Really? You know? Yeah. Okay. Like, and I, I tried out for the team in Houston. I didn't even make the team. Oh, man. You know, it was like brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then when I got up to Seattle, I was still playing sports. Sure. Uh, I played football. Okay. I wrestled. Okay. Um, I can you can see. I can't see you playing football. I can see you wrestling. Yeah, yeah. It was more, and then I also, uh, I think those were the only two sports I did by the time I made it up to Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was kind of falling away. It was like the music thing was just dominating. Yeah, that was rising up, and especially when I started going to shows. Right. I just realized. And were you were you and Cody going to shows together because of the influence of your older brother and you guys were, you know, closer in age, I guess? Yeah, it was some some of my older brother and then my my friend group that I had in high school. Okay, you started like we, to get we, plugged we, in. We branched out. Okay. And we, we went to like the Jawbreaker shows and the more punk stuff and like right. found those... I mean, I don't know how I managed it at that age to yeah, get out yeah, yeah. to like the Velvet Elvis in Pioneer Square. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. I saw, you know, that's one of the places I saw Sunny Day. Sure. And it was like... Yeah, you're like, how did I get right? They're how playing did... all the songs from the Pink album. I mean, it oh. was insane. It yeah, was so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just have great memories. You know, I saw Built to Spill there. Oh, it's amazing. Like, um, right when... What's their first... What's their first album? Uh, it's um, not, not Keep It Like a Secret, but the... Uh, it's um, Ultimate... Something I, I can't remember the name of their. Yeah, I'm their, blanking on it as well. But first record, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was it was right when that came out, and before there's nothing wrong with love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other shows I saw. Radiohead at the tail end of Pablo Honey, Pablo Honey touring. Wow, like before, right before the bands came out. Sure. And um, 
I think maybe it was like the Benz was just about to come out, right? And, right. And they were like, you know, starting up Touring the machine. Preparation, but people that, didn't yeah. really care about them. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. There was less than two hundred people in the it's room. Amazing. And it was, it was just like, yeah, it was an the, indie show. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Radiohead, yeah. one of the best shows of my entire life. It right. Was, it was, those kind of experiences blew my mind, and sure. then I was like, I was just hooked. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Right. Right. What was your first band? Well, X Wing can't have been your first band. No, it wasn't. That thank, was my third thank, band. Okay, thankfully, because I would have been mad if that was your yeah. first band. Because I'd be like, "Yo, you shouldn't be that good right out the gate." <laughs> um, so, what, what was your first uh, your your first foray into uh, the musical world? It was my good buddy Justin Deary. Okay, um, he and I had a band called Runaway Laughing. Okay, and we actually had a tape that Perfect. we, we as, made. as you should. That's the dominant format of that era. The singer from uh, Minus the Bear recorded okay. it. Okay. Uh, Jake Snyder. Jake Snyder, yeah. 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 From, uh, he was in those days, he was in a band called State, State Route 522. 522. Incredible band. Yeah. And um, and so he had a recording studio. Um, and Which was like golden. In the, like you would be like, <laughs> he's, he's my best friend now. Totally. Like we got to do this. <laughs> and you're charging what, f- you know, $50 a day? Done. Here you go. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> So we did that band. That was super fun. What were you trying? What were musically? What were you trying to accomplish with that? It was similar to Waxwing. Oh, really? Yeah, it was okay. the same kind of thing. It was just like a sort very of indie rockish, punkish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with little songwriter, sure, um, influences. Okay, as well. That's know? cool that you were because I mean, usually the formative like first band experience of people is like. Oh hey, pop punk or hey, terrible hardcore. Like usually that's yeah. But yeah, you were you were it was it was already there. It was that that's kind cool. of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and it was just less developed. Oh, well of and course. Super yeah, yeah. crappy. Of course. <laughs> as, <laughs> and then as well it should be. <laughs> and then I had a band called Lying on Loot, which we had. Oh, one, that's right. You guys did a split with I think it was State Route, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. I like that we both had to be like, wait, was that that? Yeah, that, that was it. I, I think don't it, know. I don't yeah, remember yeah. that far back. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember I, I remember that band name because of that split. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we had a bunch of songs. That sure. Some of them ended up as Waxwing songs when that band broke up. Right. Uh, but we had a violin player. Right. And that was a little different. That is very different. Uh, my buddy Seth Warren, who he played on some of my On early, some earlier stuff. I yeah, remember that. Yeah, yeah, solo yeah, yeah. stuff. He played on Suicide Medicine, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's how it all started. Man. Yeah, that's how you were putting the pieces together. And so once you, you know, you kind of obviously started to matriculate through high school and started to, you know, look look for a future. Um, did you have? I mean, like you said, you wanted to be an oceanographer. Like was that? That was it. Was yeah. It was a dream of mine. Okay. Um, and were you pursuing it in the sense of like from a, a studies perspective? You're like, I can't wait to go to college to become an oceanographer. Yeah, I okay. went to call. I I got my. Um, I got my degree from the University of Washington. I thought that I would go into, um, you know, studying like marine biology. Sure. And then I had my first few math courses in college, and I was like, <laughs> I, I hit so. a wall. I hit a wall. This is this is not good. <laughs> totally. So I was like, uh, you know what? I'm actually good at is English. Right. And I was just really good at writing and okay. writing papers, and it just came easy. Okay. And I was, and I kind of was just like creative thinking, writing or research stuff. Uh, like essays. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. So I. So and some poetry and mm-hmm. I took a lot of poetry classes. I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in English literature. Oh, nice! At the UW, sure. And um, it was important to me. I wanted to have a degree. Okay, you know, I was the first person in my whole family to get a degree. That's a huge thing. And and I just you know I really wanted to to accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to play music, right? But I just thought this is something I want to do. Sure. I want to have this as maybe something to fall back on if I'm 
you know, you were being what, practical about it. I was. Yeah. I was yeah. being kind of practical. And it's interesting because it really came in handy, uh-huh. you know, for the, for the writing aspect. Sure. I mean, I learned so much. It was brutally difficult. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just a tough, tough thing to, to go through four totally. years of college. Well, it's like, and, yeah. You, you, you put yourself through these paces of what it's like to creatively pour your, pour something on paper. And that there's no way that that wouldn't be able to influence your your lyric ship, your lyric writing ability. Like absolutely, that's that's for sure going to influence that. Yeah, and I got to read a lot of great poets. Okay, you know, I was introduced to Ginsburg and uh-huh. Emerson and Thoreau and th- these philosophical thinkers who I still look up to now. Totally, you know, and people that you know, the original environmentalists. Of course, yeah, yeah, the the real people are like, right. yeah, go go on that lake, hang out there for a while. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and just these deep deep philosophies that that influenced me, sure, you know, and and got my got me to think a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and so I feel like that informed my music, sure, and just helped me to. Um, you know, reach for something greater mm-hmm. in terms of what I was trying to write. Sure. And was that, was that in parallel to Waxwing's existence? Like that was through college that you yeah. were playing? Okay. Yeah. 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 Waxwing was while I was in college. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you obviously had a limited touring capacity. That's like the West Coast tours were easy. Like, did you yeah. guys ever make it to the East Coast? We never did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We went as far as, I want to say almost to Michigan. Okay. Because we played with Small Brown Bike. We did oh, a, yeah, sure, we did a sure. little tour with them in Casket Lottery. Right. And, um, I think that was the only time we headed East. Right. Um, but yeah, I was already, I want to say I was already married with a kid mm-hmm. by, by the time I finished college. Right. With right. two kids. Married, sure. Married with two children by the time I was out of, by the time I was 22. Right. And that, that's not typical. We're, we're touching on a, on a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> my life. <laughs> right. Right. So you, so the, the, so you had your first child when you were 20? 21, I 21. think. 21. 21, 22, somewhere in there. Right. And I, I mean, forgive my crassness, but intentional? Or that was a, that was a gift. It was a gift. Was a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of those gifts. Right. What a, <laughs> my, I, I, my wife and I had known each other for two weeks. Really? Yeah. We weren't married yet. Well, right, right, right. You know, it was kind of like we just met. Wow. Um, we met making the Edge of Coral movie. Shut up. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Edge of Coral started your your relationship with your and for that and, movie is oh sorry. Yeah, no, no, as I was gonna say for the for the listeners that aren't aware of what Edge of Coral is, Edge of Coral is a a a movie set in Seattle, straight edge versus punks. Uh that I mean that does put out what, like ninety seven maybe? Something, something like that. Something close to that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And I mean a full fledged, you know, Full length feature film, um, but yeah, Rocky was was the star of it, and he had Dan Gallucci, exactly who, John Pettibone, like every Dan, Dan was in uh, Murder City Murder Devils, Devils, Modest yep. Mouse, and yep. is now in the Cold War Kids. Yes, he is in the Cold War Kids. <laughs> yeah, that's Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dan Gallucci, and and who else was in that? Oh, the guys from Botch, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of great musicians. See, Seattle's music scene was fully represented within that 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 film. <laughs> But that's it. Wow, that's incredible. So you 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 met her and you you were already off and running, starting a family yeah. unintentionally. But yeah, but, I, I mean, when we just we had just met. You know, right. I was in college. She had a daughter uh-huh. who I adopted. Oh, okay. You know, and I, I figured we've known each other two weeks. Why don't we just have a baby? Right, right. You know, <laughs> let's just uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's what people do, right? I mean, that's what people do in 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 Frost, Texas. I've seen right, probably because we just need to increase the population of this. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Yeah, so it was kind of brutal. I mean, it sure. was it was like trying to well, brutal in the sense of like where it's like so much was happening at once. I'm exactly sure. right. Yeah, because I was just. I mean, I was going to college. Yep. You know, I'm, I I wanted to start a music career. Of course, or like a life in music for myself. Right after that, that was my plan. Right. Um, I was playing in three bands at the time. Sure. Um, like I was doing my I was doing the solo thing. Right. Um, I was playing shows. That way I had wax swing. Right. And I was in a playing drums in a band called Kentucky Pistol. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I was very and I and I had a job and it was like just there was so much going on. I for like probably two years I didn't sleep more than two to three hours a night. Yeah. You like were just literally just so frantic. I was busy. You right. know, I was always doing stuff. And was it was it exciting or was it stressful? It was both. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. I mean, it was crazy. Sure. It was just kind of like not balanced. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. In, in any way. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. It's funny, even though obviously you, I mean, you strike me now as like, obviously you're, you are becoming more of a balanced person, obviously, as you grow older, like we all should because we're, so. all, we're all working on it. I don't really know. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, you never really know until you can like look back two years and be like, oh yeah, that's, I'm better now than I was back then. Yeah. But it seems like you've always like, in hearing the pieces of your life come together, you've always thrived on that sort of like that chaoticness of what obviously your childhood was. But not like, you know, not as threatening when you were, you know, 2021, but like it was still chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. It was just that was the course of my life, way things were going. Right. You know, like like your your life has a momentum of its own when you're young and out of, and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're totally out of control. Totally. You know, you just sort of set on the path of the experiences you've had and your parents have given you. Right. You know, whatever, wherever you landed karmically, I think. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so there was a lot of chaos and I feel like I kind of 
you can hear it in the music, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the Waxwing stuff and in my solo stuff. But like we were talking about, just a lot of dealing with depression yep. and uh, I'd, I'd say self hatred, mm-hmm. um, anxieties. You know, like these. There's a lot of themes. Of, it's very dark. There was sure. a, lot, a lot of it was very, it, it was very brooding. I felt like, especially your solo stuff was very. The earlier stuff was very uh, brooding, for lack of a better term. Like yeah. you could tell there there was like it was um it was always um for lack of a better term, like pretty, but there was always this undercurrent of like, like there's something bubbling underneath there. Yeah. Some sort of psychological damage. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. Something that's like trying to work its way out to where it's, it's not, um, yeah, it's not just, you know, songs about girls, which is like, that's the common conception of like, Oh dude, white dude with a guitar, you're going to be singing about girls. Like, right. (laughs) You know, cause that's just the easy sort of knee jerk reaction when you see that in front of you. And not that I never sang about girls. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, of course. I mean, everybody's usually just one girl. Right. Honestly. I mean, there's, that's usually what's almost all of my music right has has you know almost all of it down to my first record that's yeah you know for my solo thing sure yeah that the very first album in 99 i was already i was married right yeah you were you were knee deep in it yeah i already already had so how 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 much longer after did you get married before you had your first child i mean you're you're no okay no, you got married he was six months. After. He was six months old. Okay, when we got married. Okay, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to to think about that. Of like, course, you know, having a six month old at your wedding and right. and it just being so everything happening so fast. Of course, right. You know, it was. And you're it like, was, oh, next month I'm leaving for tour or whatever. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of a big transition for me to start my music career. Right, because you know, it, it was I was working jobs, regular jobs for a while after I finished college. Well, and of like, course, yeah, you know, yeah, just trying to get it off the ground for a long time. Sure. Well, yeah, you have you have to, you know, so many because <laughs> I mean, obviously, you're practical in the sense of like you said, you you went on a path to college and you were setting yourself up from that perspective. But um, I've always I've always found that it's like, and I'm sure you've battled this yourself. Or the idea of like, I mean, now that you've obviously made a living off of your music for, you know, for a long time, yeah. that, that battle of like, you know, art versus commerce and how those two worlds can obviously like collide where it's like, you know, should my art be influenced by the fact that I need to make fucking money right now? Like, you know, and right. how that, that plays into itself. So it's like, I've always found something, um, especially when you're in your earlier years and you're, like you said, you're just working jobs to like get get it kickstarted, you know, just right. because you need to make money. Did you, did you feel that time being, um, more, uh, I mean, not, not more, but just like the, uh, the process of being, uh, creative under these constrictions of time because you had, you had to work a job or whatever. And I'm sure you work in just like at health food stores and grocery stores and other random jobs just because of that's yeah, what's available. man, I had every kind of job you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked in like factories. Okay. I, I dug ditches. I worked construction. Sure. I worked uh, food service. Sure. You know, a lot of different jobs like that. Right. Because um, you're like, yeah, I got to leave on tour. I got to quit. Like, yeah, totally. yeah. Yeah. A lot of those kind of transient jobs. And, sure, sure. And, and I, but I also had some serious jobs, you okay. know, after I, I graduated had my degree and like, you know, I was, I, I had a job at a software company. I okay. was making a decent, um, decent living, you know, doing that, uh-huh. um, for the family. Sure. And, um, there came a time where I just realized, you know, what my, my, what I'm supposed to be doing with my life is the music. And I just, okay. I really want to go do it. And that was around suicide medicine. Okay. When that came out and I got a, I got offered to go on tour with the get up kids. Right. Speaking right. Speaking of Matt Pryor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. a big milestone in my career. Yeah. You know, that like, that was, you felt like that was, 
So at that point, you you obviously quit your job and you yeah. were okay. I decided to go for it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's I did like 250 shows that year and just right. you know was out playing in every bar across America. Right. Whoever would know? have you. Yeah. Was t- that ten people a night or whatever it took? Was were those discussions like with your your wife and sort of like the family structure? Was that like terrifying as hell that you were doing oh, yeah. that or was it? Yeah, it was hard. It was okay. like really challenging mm-hmm. financially and. It was just risky. Sure. You know, there was a lot of, I really had to commit to it. Mm-hmm. And I did for a long time after that record came out, but it didn't totally work. It just, it kind of, I had my moment and things were kind of rolling, but there uh-huh. wasn't enough money. And I just sure. ended up coming back home and getting another job and sure. then working on another album. Mm-hmm. And that album ended up being Makers, which right. I got signed to Barsook Records. Mm-hmm. When that album came out, that was 2006. Yep. And I never had to look back after that. Yeah. Everything, then it was, there was enough, there was enough of a substantial following there. Right. That I was, I was making enough money to make it work. Right. You were able to build off of that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I've never been just totally, you know, loaded from music or anything, no, right. you know, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I, but I felt that it was, it was sustainable. Sure. At that point. And, and I, um, I felt good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a definite rise in, you know, in my popularity at that time when right. that record came out and, you know, it was, it was a crazy time. Totally. Totally. Was there, was there ever that fear inside of you in regards to, I mean, I'm projecting on you because obviously like I'm a father myself. So it's like, I have a three and a half oh, year old. Right. And so like, there's that, there's that idea of like, when you are dedicating so much time away from the home and the, and the idea of like, you know, every, uh, especially every son always has that sort of rallying cry like i'm never going to be like my dad like those negative qualities i see in my father i'm never going to do that um was there ever that fear of like your your absence just from a sheer like i got to do this because i got to make a living or whatever Mm. um was there ever any of like fear from that perspective that like you know your your absence or any negative qualities in your father you see like you know uh exemplifying itself in you like was there has there been that battle in your oh head? yeah okay. yeah i mean it's been a struggle okay i think um i think we all have to struggle just as human beings yeah. with the tendencies that you know the weaknesses and the mm-hmm. temptations of whatever can make us into not great people yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. like the the things that we can do to you know end up like our parents in the ways that hurt us. Sure. Or so I, I feel like I've always always fought with that. But it's in a lot of ways I feel like a lot of the cycles were broken. Okay. Through my family. Sure. And th- through my the way my wife grew up. And mm-hmm. we we've we're not perfect, of course. Of course and not. we've got right. so many flaws and things we're working on. But it's like I feel like there was at least some things that we we've just done a lot better than what we had. Right. You know? And so um, I haven't worried a lot about that. That's I, good. I feel like there's things I would do different if I could go back and be wiser. Right. You know, but, but I think that, um, it's important for human beings to follow your, your heart and do what you're supposed to do. Right. As your work. Mm-hmm. I don't think enough people do it because it's a scary thing. It's, right. It's tough. It's, it's a hard thing. It takes courage. It does. If you want to do the right thing in life, it always takes courage. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Totally. Surprising amount. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's, I wish it took less, yeah. right? I mean, you know, the thing is, it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's terrifying. It times, is. You know, and like we we have to be able to have that courage to do what we want to, not even what we want to do. It's it's like the, there's a voice inside that we all hear. Right. It's your heart. You know, you got to follow it. You got to know 
this is what I'm going to do because I was born to do this. Mm-hmm. If I don't do this, I won't fulfill what I came here to do. Right. What I'm on this earth to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you will be miserable for it. Sure. And you won't do your family a service. You will do them a disservice. Uh-huh. Because, because you will be miserable if you are dedicating yourself to something that's just the safe or convenient route. Yeah. Yeah. A, the, uh, there's an essay by Emerson actually called mm-hmm. Self-Reliance. That's, Self-Reliance, yep. yep yeah, yep. That's, that talks about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it talks about being able to be who you are. Right, right. And own it. And and it's a really hard struggle for us all to get there. And mm-hmm. man, I'm still struggling with it. I mean, it takes yeah. your whole life sometimes, you know. Oh, to, totally. Yeah, to, yeah. To realize that. But like, at least I feel very grateful that I was set on that path at an early enough age to to get as far as I've come. Because I mean, after after Makers, and obviously as you started to progress through your, your musical career, I know that there were a lot of, um, you know, s- struggles like that you went through. I mean, like, because you, you had substance abuse at some point in your life, oh, yeah. correct? I mean, like after the 13-year-old like self, like, you know, oh, as yeah. you were a grown adult. It never adult. stopped from there, really. I mean, yeah. I was still, you know, into drugs and drinking and, right. you know, it got really gnarly in my high school years. And, uh-huh. and then... um I was always just kind of like weekend warrior. I never did it at home. Okay. You know, like around the kids or anything. But sure, I would sure. still party a lot. Okay. And, and when I was on tour, it would get out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, it's, you're constantly surrounded by it. Yeah. I mean, you get a case of free beer every night. Right, right. What are you going to do? Like, Thanks you, for enabling me. You're right? going to waste that? I mean, you have to drink that. Right. Not gonna, that beer's not going to drink itself. <laughs> it's not going to go to waste. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is gonna be for the people tomorrow. Totally. Like, I, gotta, I gotta go ahead and take this. Yeah. Um, so that's how I thought at that time. Sure, it was sure. A backwards way of looking at life, but I. Well, yeah. You know, I it's just, right, I, and that that what that that sort of that that self abuse was that. I'm just trying to place where that um that pattern was. Like, was it was it just comfortable because it was like it was something that you were so used to throughout your life, or it, it was, was just it was a medication, uh-huh. a way of escaping. Sure, I think that's what we all do it for. On in essence, to be able to deal with our existence and and not not really face the things that are there. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, you don't want to look at what's real in right. your life. Yeah. Because. It's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard work, especially if you've got a lot of trauma or you got some real deep, right, deep psychological issues that you got to deal with, right. You know, and so that's that's why I think I did all that, and I I really grateful that around two thousand seven, mm-hmm. two thousand eight, had kind of like some major meltdowns and was able to totally clean all that up. How did the uh, how did the meltdowns manifest themselves? Like, were they just like literal like moments passed out in the bathroom floor, being like, "Holy shit, I don't know, I'm here." Like, were, was it like those meltdown moments, or just like the I can't do this anymore to myself? I think for me, it was more just I can't do this, and that ended up. Um, it was prior to True Devotion, okay, which is that's the album. If you if you know much about what was going on with me when that came out, uh-huh. it was like I had just gotten clean, right? You know, and I had just sort of really started to get my bearings on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't say it's all cleaned yeah, up yeah, by any like, means, oh, but I like, got this settled. Yeah. I'm taking care of guys. Here's, <laughs> and here's it's a new funny, record. It's funny because I kind of, I was, I had deluded myself. I convinced myself into sure. thinking that I had more of it fixed up than I did. Oh, I'm sure. I think when you first start out on any new venture and path, you think, oh yeah, I've kind of got this. Because you're, you're creating that narrative in your head. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, like dude, yeah, I've got this. Ancient history. That's like <laughs> three weeks ago, dude. Totally. Dude, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, this is a rebirthed person right here. Yeah, no, yeah. I understand. And it was huge. I mean, I, I changed a lot of patterns. I stopped drinking. Yeah. I stopped all drugs. I've been totally clean since then. And, yeah. And like that's been good for me. It's brought some clarity. Sure. Um, and, and I started meditating okay. around that time. Right, and, right, And that right. was 
huge. Sure. Like I can't say how much that really influenced my life and has been really a healthy uh, balancing factor in keeping me alive and healthy sure. with all the different issues I've had. Do you, uh, is it, is it TM like transcendental meditation or like what, what practice do you, uh, I just did something called Japa. Okay. It was from a Taoist. Sure. Sure. Tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically there was a lot of different things I tried out. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. When you're experimenting with meditation to begin with, it's definitely always just like, try a little this, a little that. Totally. (laughs) See what works. Yeah. And so I found a few techniques that worked well for me Uh and like, you know, that was good. And I, I still do that. Today. Yeah. Do you, how often do you do it now? Every day. Twice a day Twice or like, day. okay, morning and night. Morning and night. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely, it is weird because I find so many people that it's like, once you kind of get into your thirties, that's when you start to really like open it. You're like, Hey, maybe that's, maybe that's a cool thing to look into yeah. just because it's like that. Like you said, it's that sort of like balancing sort of reset factor where it's like, it just kind of bringing it back to you know, as cheesy and cliche as it is, bringing it back to center. And it's like, yeah, sometimes yeah. it takes you a long time to like realize that because you're, you know, you're just dumb and 20 years old or whatever. Yeah. And your life's moving in a million miles an hour. Right. Like most people. Like, why would I slow down? No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, and, yeah. and there's such a carrot. I think we talked about that earlier totally. at dinner, but like the, our society is like, okay, you need to get famous. Yep. You need to get rich. Right. You need to have, these material possessions uh-huh. to, to define your success. Yeah. You know, all these things that are, that keep you on the treadmill of right. doing things, not for a pure uh, reason or some place of integrity of why you want to do it, but the, sure. that you feel that you have to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that pressure of course is terrible. Sure. You know, and it's, it's, it's chewing us all up and chewing up the planet, you know? And like, yep. that's, that's kind of like what I feel like I've tried to get away from. I'm still, you know, disconnecting from those kind of concepts and mm-hmm. just trying to get more into a place of trusting and doing things because I, I think it's the right thing to do and I feel good about it. Right. Did you, uh, so did you ever, cause obviously I know from a, especially from like a solo artist perspective, because it's like, well, this is literally my name. Like I'm putting myself out there. Did you ever buy, um, you know, w- when did you sort of like buy into, I guess, like the egoness of it all where it's mm-hmm. like, I am the center of attention. Like I'm cool as shit because my music is awesome and I've got these 400 people in front of me. Totally. Um, when, when did you find yourself trying to like shed that sort Wrestle of... Wrestle that demon? Yeah, because yeah. it is it is a very difficult, like, you know, someone who I've I've watched progress through the years. I mean, like Chris Caraba, Dashboard Confessional, where it's yeah. like having to like watch his sort of like, you know, rise and fall and like all he's navigated where it's like, it's so, I mean, how could a person like him be able to maintain any sense of self when you're thrust in front of a stadium full of like, and it's like, you know I mean? It's just him. Obviously he had a huge test. Totally. Totally. But yeah, I mean, so like how for me that came around 2006. It was like when, when makers came out Uh and that was when I got a lot of attention, right? You know, I got a good review in the Rolling Stone. It was like a big deal. Totally (laughs) huge deal (laughs) to me. Yeah. I I played a bunch of showcase shows down at South by Southwest and it Uh was, it was like a buzz that was going on and there was just all this attention, you know, I was doing like five interviews a day, every day for weeks and weeks and just, you know, just that it was happening. Right. You know, it was a lot of people coming for my attention and, Uh and I was getting, I was getting a lot of attention. Um, and it got to be too much for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think by the time I made the follow-up, okay. Brag and Cuss, yep. I was pretty sick. I was pretty sick with it all. Right. You were sick of yourself. Yeah. I was just kind of lost. I was definitely, you know, not knowing how to handle 
even the small amount of fame that I yeah that you garnished yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I I feel like it was it was good for me you know to learn that way mm-hmm. now like the way I, I I feel like those lessons were good right and the way I'm approaching what I'm doing now is sure. informed by that and right I, and hopefully whatever comes in the future you know it's like can it, be tempered with yeah maybe maybe I'll deal with it better yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> like now, now that I've like got through with it, um, the last the last thing I wanted to want to hit on was like the living room tour that you obviously just just did and yeah. experienced because I find it so um, I find it so indicative of what you know bands and artists and people that are are creatives. It's like it's not so much about the amount of people that show up to a thing. Like of course it's great if you have you know whatever seven hundred people in front of you and like sure. It's awesome. But then like to have that sort of like those those experiences of like, oh, this is like literally why this record affected you. Like you've got tattoos, like whatever. There's like so many immediate feedback loops that you get when you go on tour and play in front of 30 people in a living room. Yeah. Um, Setting all this up. Were you like scared going into it of like, what is this going to be like? Or were you pretty... um, excited about the opportunity i was just totally excited for this yeah like i just knew it was going to be really meaningful yeah just super special and awesome Mm -hmm. and it was like that tour was just like just it felt like i arrived Uh i wasn't trying to get anywhere anymore right there right you know i was there like at these the people cared so much who were at those shows right i'm playing the songs for them it's very cathartic and healing and meaningful to me and mm-hmm. to them. Right. And it's, there's no people getting drunk at the bar, you know, it cut out all that noise. Right. You know, and it was just, it just kind of came down to the very core of what, why I do this and, and right. what I've been trying to get to all these years. Sure. I'm you know, just me and a guitar in a room with some people and yeah, yeah. <laughs> playing some songs and like right. that connection. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it just like it, it immediately, like was it was it literally from the first show where it was like oh shit this is it the first show on dude yeah and every single show there wasn't wow. wasn't one there wasn't one bad show on the whole tour thirty one shows and I in six weeks and I felt like everyone was like this every own night unique. was magical yeah yeah it was just great it was yeah really good for me that's incredible yeah and I just super enjoyed it you know it's I know that there's there's other experiences like the club tours are great for their of own course. reason. Right. I mean, I'm super excited to experience those as well. Of course. Hopefully with the new look at it, mm-hmm. you know, of this, just appreciating it for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter to me as much how many people are there. Right. I don't really care. Sure. I used to care. Of course. A lot. I used to worry way too much about that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, now did I just... You, did, you, did you beat yourself up a lot when it was like... After the initial attention, like you said, the 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 height of it all in 2006, 2007, did you beat yourself up when it's like less attention was starting to be paid to you because of that? Yeah, I feel okay. like, I mean, I, I'm sure every artist struggles with, okay, how are people responding to my work, you know, and like, mm-hmm. is it is it going to be exciting for people? And like, right. you know, like I, I felt that happening and, and I think, you know, it was a good thing for me to go through right? because I... It keeps you in balance. It, does. You know, it just kind of che- it checks all that stuff. And you're, <laughs> right, and you're right, like, right. Okay, well, if if nobody cared, would I still do this? You know, and the answer I found was yes, I would. Right. I don't care if there's one person at the show. Right. I'm going to be playing this show. Right. Re- regardless. <laughs> right. Regardless, this is how I'm getting this out. Yeah. I, I hope someone's here. I Otherwise, hope. it's just a practice. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> but some of the early Waxwing shows, man. Oh yeah, like two people. Yeah, one of them's you're, a sound lady, and she goes outside. Right, you know? you're, play, you're playing for the other bands that are playing. <laughs> We're like, oh wow, like that. You you were on stage before. You were. On, oh yeah, there's nobody new here. <laughs> It happens, but, but that, that that's but, incredible that it like that. Yeah, I mean now I just feel like that there's whatever happens is cool, right? You know, it's like I'm just good with whatever comes from this, and I know I'm going to be doing it mm-hmm. and and enjoying doing it right. on whatever levels is appropriate and unfolds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not putting that that external pressure on yourself, right? It's like any pressure that you feel is probably just directly related to. Again, going back to like the craftsmanship, like the working on the songs, the working on the actual artistry. Yeah. And even that, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it work anymore. It's not yeah. work. Like I, I don't, it, it's like, I think somebody said, like, I'm not writing the songs. The songs are writing me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's how it feels. Sure. When it's right. Right. Like when it's happening. When it's clicking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just happening. Right. You know, I'm capturing something that's coming through. It's right. not like I'm, I'm not even doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I'm just able to to hopefully capture it right as it's happening. Sure, you know? sure. And and of course, it's being informed by my experiences and what I need to express, what right. I'm feeling. Of course, but um, but I think there's an allowing that has to happen at some point if right. you're going to make something really beautiful. Sure, from yeah, a, an open an openness to it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's good for me because I I think when I get too controlling on it, mm-hmm. it's it closes down. Sure. And I went through that, you know, like it's, it's getting blocked by mm-hmm. thinking too much about it. Sure. You stop, sure. You stop the flow. Right, right, so right. So it's kind of like ga- getting in that flow and then just letting things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be more excited about you and your future of music. Cause it does it. I mean, it just sounds so exciting and it's like it, the, the enthusiasm is like, you know, uh, it's, it's contagious from that perspective. Cause oh, it's like good. when you feel that people like arrive, like nothing is more gratifying and I'm sure you've experienced this a lot in like, you know, probably watching your brother play and like watching these people that you're close to just like achieve something that you're like, oh, that's what you were meant to do. Yeah. yeah you know? It's a good thing to see, right? Totally. <laughs> for any human being. No, totally. I mean, I, it's like what I want for everyone. Yeah. It's you like know? you want that person to key in on that where it's just like, that's it. You found it. Like, go ahead and chase that for the rest of your life. Like, do yeah. that. As long as it's making you happy. Totally. There's meaning in it. Yeah, yeah. Know? And that's that's what I think we sh- we want we all want that mm-hmm. and it's it's not really encouraged in our society a lot to just it's true. to find that right versus to find a big paycheck yeah 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 you know? yeah to ch- yeah to 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 chase that that illusion of 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 whatever uh whatever the conventions are at that particular moment to you know to follow exactly right yeah yeah yeah, so. I'm, I'm just very excited for you. Rocky. Cool, thank you, Ray. So thank you, it, thank you for hanging out on this 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 show. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it in some capacity. Very good time being here. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> good, no problem, dude. That's pretty insane. This this story actually reminds me of a very very early podcast that the show did with uh, John Halperin. He used to book at the Glass House in Pomona, and he also does some stuff with Coachella, and basically just been a fixture in the Southern California music scene for quite some time. His father was involved in the CIA and like a spy. Hearing Rocky's story about his father being in a biker gang is just like, 
oh man, it just gets me thinking where it's like, you have no control over what you're born into, clearly. It, it would just be insane to be like, oh, well, I guess this is my life. Like, you know, I look at my father who was an air conditioning salesman. Of course, that makes sense if you're doing that in Las Vegas. That's not a crazy lifestyle, but you know, I had a specific point of view in regards to the way that air conditioning worked. And so, yeah, it's just crazy the way that people are able to take what they experienced and be able to hopefully learn from it and be able to build upon that without being kind of ashamed of their past. Because, you know, Rocky could just be like, yeah, man, my dad's a total scumbag and blah, blah, blah. But he, he was so just, you know, very like, yeah, this is the way that I was raised. And so this is the way it was. So anyways, thank you to Rocky. And some exciting news will be coming very soon about Rocky in regards to his upcoming uh, musical output. I'm just going to go ahead and tease that, okay? Just just want to put it out there. So much stuff to thank you for, but I'm, I have to thank my internet boyfriend, Tom Richfield, who is the producer of the show. Thank you very much, as always. I, I got to hang out with him recently because that was, that was a great thing. He was in the United States of America, and he lives in the UK, so it's always great to see his beautiful face in person. Until next week, be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.